Thanks for joining us at the Off Talk podcast series, where we discuss Parkinson's disease, managing off periods, and use of on-demand therapies. Each podcast will be a one-on-one discussion with a leading movement disorder Parkinson specialist. These podcasts also include important safety information. Today's podcast, The Rationale for a Therapy Used on Demand in Parkinson's Disease, is intended for U.S. healthcare professionals and brought to you by Accorda Therapeutics, Incorporated. My name is Zev Winokur, and I'm a medical science liaison with Accorda Therapeutics. Today, I am pleased to be speaking with Dr. Peter LeWitt, who is a member of the Parkinson's Disease and Movement Disorders Program at Wayne State University School of Medicine and Henry Ford Hospital. Welcome, Dr. LeWitt. Thank you for joining us today. Nice to be with you. Dr. LeWitt, the goal of Parkinson's disease therapy is to maintain good control of symptoms throughout the day. It's recognized that oral levodopa administered with a dopa decarboxylase inhibitor, such as carbidopa, is the most widely used therapy for Parkinson's disease and a very effective maintenance treatment for managing most motor symptoms. Yet, as the disease progresses, many patients begin to experience the repeated reemergence of symptoms, also known as off periods, between their oral doses of medication. Could you comment on the transition from on to off, where symptoms start to return, and comment on the prevalence of off? A major consequence of Parkinson's disease, as the disease progresses, is the regular occurrence of off periods, also referred to as on-off motor fluctuations, meaning that patients fluctuate between having symptoms well-controlled and having symptoms return. In terms like wearing off, delayed on, dose failure, and early morning akinesia all refer to the various types of off-periods. Off-period symptoms include motor features such as stiffness, difficulty moving, decreased dexterity, and tremor, and may also include non-motor features such as changes in mood, fatigue, restlessness, and aching. The impact of off-episodes was evaluated in a Michael J. Fox Foundation online survey of over 3,000 people with Parkinson's disease. The survey found that more than 90% reported having at least one episode of off per day. Two-thirds of these patients had two hours or more of off time per day, and almost half noted that their off periods were rated as moderate to severe. How do you discuss off periods with your patients? It may be difficult for patients to predict or even recognize when return of symptoms are beginning, how severe the symptoms will be, or how long symptoms will last. It's helpful to teach patients about all symptoms associated with their Parkinson's, especially since fluctuations in non-motor symptoms can be predictive of similar changes in motor symptoms for some patients. The return of symptoms may be occurring at any time during the day and may happen at home, outside the home, or in social situations. The experience of off periods may be different for every patient and may vary within a given day and from day to day for any patient. The symptoms may return gradually or they can be more abrupt and unpredictable in their occurrence. I see. So clearly off periods vary from patient to patient. Can you comment on some of the challenges with maintenance therapy for Parkinson's disease and off periods? 
Current Parkinson's disease maintenance medications aim to keep patients in an on state, but often patients will still have times during the day when their medications do not take effect as expected, or they'll have recurrence of their symptoms at a time sooner than expected for their next dose. This may be due to variability of absorption of oral carbidopa levodopa, compounded by slow gastric emptying or the competitive effects of food, especially the protein in their diet. The effect of maintenance medications also varies based on the durability of effect over time as Parkinson's disease progresses and as nigrostriatal neurons continue to degenerate in the brain. These factors contribute to the development of off-periods or delayed return of symptom control. Please listen to this selected important safety information. Embresia is contraindicated in patients who are taking or who have recently taken within two weeks non-selective monoamine oxidase MAO inhibitors, for example, phenylzine and tranylcypramine due to risk of hypertension. Discontinue use of non-selective MAO inhibitors at least two weeks prior to initiating embresia. Please stay tuned for additional important safety information later in the podcast. Dr. LeWitt, the focus of our discussion today is Embresia Levodopa Inhalation Powder, which Accorda Therapeutics received FDA approval on in 2018 for the intermittent treatment of off-episodes in patients with Parkinson's disease who are on a carbidopa levodopa regimen. What are some of the key features of Embresia for on-demand use in Parkinson's disease? Levodopa Inhalation Powder Embresia is a dry powder formulation of levodopa that is administered using an inhaler device used at the first sign of off, that is when Parkinson's disease symptoms start to return. Inbrija is used in combination with a carbidopa levodopa regimen. Inbrija should be used at the onset of Parkinson's disease symptoms rather than when patients are in a deep or full off state. There's no titration needed as there is only one dose to be used nor any requirement for pre-medication. Embrija is used as needed when symptoms start to return, no more than one dose per off period, up to a maximum of five off periods per day. But each dose is two capsules inhaled. It's important to highlight that the active ingredient in Embrija is levodopa administered through a unique pulmonary delivery. This pulmonary route avoids potential GI challenges to absorption that are associated with oral carbidopa levodopa tablets. Please listen to this selected important safety information. Patients treated with levodopa, the active ingredient in embresia, have reported falling asleep during activities of daily living, including operation of motor vehicles, which sometimes resulted in accidents. Many patients reported somnolence, but some reported no warning signs or sleep attack. This may occur more than a year after initiating treatment. Reassess patients for drowsiness or sleepiness, including occurrence during specific activities. Advise patients of potential for drowsiness and ask about factors that may increase this risk, for example, sedating medications or sleep disorders. Consider discontinuing embresia in patients who report significant daytime sleepiness or falling asleep during activities that require active participation. If continuing embresia, advise patients not to drive and to avoid activities that may result in harm. There is insufficient information that dose reduction will eliminate episodes of falling asleep during activities of daily living. Please stay tuned for additional important safety information later in the podcast. 
Dr. Lewitt, you described the pulmonary delivery of Embregia. How quickly does Embregia take effect? The onset of action is as early as 10 minutes post-dose. The SPAN PD clinical trial that established efficacy showed a statistically significant improvement in motor function at 30 minutes post-dose and the sustained effect through 60 minutes post-dose as evidenced by the reduction in UPDRS Part 3 motor score ratings. Okay, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, and 60 minutes. I understand. Switching gears for a minute, what should patients do if they experience cough? It's quite common for patients to cough upon inhalation of the dry powder. For some people, coughing may feel like the sensation of choking. Using Embregia may be a new experience for your patients, and it may take them some practice in how to breathe in slowly and to use the medication on a regular basis in this fashion. Setting expectations is very important regarding cough or uh, other side effects. At time of inhalation, if patients experienced cough, they can take more than one inhalation breath per capsule if it is easier for them to do so. The advice I give is breathe in slowly and gently, just enough to hear or feel the capsule in the inhalation device whirl like a propeller. Patients may also take sips of liquid before and after inhaling embregia to lessen the potential irritation to the throat. Please listen to this selected important safety information. Neuroleptic malignant syndrome-like symptoms, for example, elevated temperature, muscular rigidity, altered consciousness, and autonomic instability have been reported with rapid dose reduction, withdrawal of, or changes in dopaminergic therapy. Hallucinations with or without confusion, insomnia, and excessive dreaming may occur and may respond to reducing levodopa therapy. Abnormal thinking and behavior may present with paranoid ideation, delusions, hallucinations, confusion, psychotic-like behavior, disorientation, aggressive behavior, agitation, and delirium. Embresia should ordinarily not be used in patients with major psychotic disorder due to risk of exacerbating psychosis. Dopamine antagonists used to treat psychosis may exacerbate symptoms of Parkinson's disease and may decrease embresia efficacy. Please stay tuned for additional important safety information later in the podcast. Thanks for the tips on managing cough. I have another question. With the important safety information and the contraindication in mind, let's talk a little about who would be suitable candidates for a therapy used on demand, such as Embregia. For the use of Embregia, patients must be taking carbidopa levodopa, so suitable candidates include those patients who find the return of symptoms as disruptive or bothersome. And ideally, patients should be able to recognize the onset of their return of symptoms. Patients who have delayed oral levodopa absorption or gastric emptying problems in general, and those whose levodopa absorption may be affected by eating, are also good candidates, even if separating their meals and medications isn't enough to gain control. Embregia has the advantage of bypassing the GI tract altogether as it enters the circulation through the lung. Other candidates include those who would want to or would benefit from treatment of all types of off episodes, whether predictable or unpredictable in nature. The broad category of off periods includes predictable wearing off, early morning off, or akinesia, as well as delayed on or dose failure. 
Note that some patients may describe their return of symptoms in various different ways. Some patients are quite aware of these. Others aren't sure of how their symptoms of Parkinson's disease return. In breaches for all appropriate Parkinson's disease patients receiving carbidopa levodopa who have no comorbidities or contraindications against levodopa therapy in those patients who are experiencing off periods that are bothersome, that don't have asthma, COPD, or chronic respiratory disease. Please listen to this selected important safety information. Patients on medications that increase central dopaminergic tone, such as Embresia, can experience intense urges to gamble or spend money, increase sexual urges, binge eating and or other intense urges, and inability to control them. In some cases, these urges stopped with dose reduction or medication discontinuation. Since some patients may not recognize these behaviors as abnormal, ask patients or their caregivers about development of new or increased urges and consider stopping Embresia if this occurs. Embresia may cause or exacerbate dyskinesias. If troublesome dyskinesias occur, consider stopping Embresia or adjusting other Parkinson's medications. Embresia is not recommended in patients with asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or other chronic underlying lung disease because of the risk of bronchospasm. Please stay tuned for additional important safety information later in the podcast. Dr. LeWitt, you described suitable candidates for Embresia. Let's talk a little bit about healthcare professionals' considerations for medications used on demand. When would it make sense to adjust baseline medication versus adding a therapy used on demand? Physicians should assemble a good picture of patient satisfaction with their present Parkinson's disease therapy by asking specific questions, such as how many off-periods occur per day, how regularly off-periods occur, how predictable or unpredictable they are, and how bothersome or unacceptable they are in terms of your patient's lifestyle. Clinicians should carefully evaluate baseline therapies if symptoms are repeatedly re-emerging. For those patients who have irregular control of Parkinsonism despite well-managed maintenance therapy, there are other options for consideration as well. One strategy is to increase the frequency of baseline doses of oral medication, dose fractionation, or just adding doses beyond the current regimen. Other options include supplementing with inhibitors of COMT or monamine oxidase type B. We can also use extended release carbidopa levodopa regimens or an adenosine A2A receptor antagonist or dopaminergic agonists. Additionally, one might consider advanced therapies such as levodopa carbidopa intestinal gel infused by a pump to reduce plasma levodopa fluctuations. And then, of course, we have the option of a surgical treatment, deep brain stimulation. An additional strategy we might consider is a therapy used on demand, such as Embresia, which should be used as Parkinson's disease symptoms start to return on a regular basis. There may be variability in response to baseline therapy that results in a return of symptoms from time to time or a pattern of symptom return that might not warrant adding or adjusting maintenance medications. Therefore, in such situations, we can very much benefit from therapies that can be used as a patient needs them for rescuing themselves from an off state. What we've been talking about is a way of thinking about Parkinson's disease management that is different from just modifying the baseline therapy regimen. 
This thinking goes beyond what is commonly taught about Parkinson's disease management, especially uh, for patients returning year after year for management with the same drug that will continue to help them throughout their Parkinson's career, levodopa. Most baseline medications are aimed at just reducing off time and improving on time with regular use, not the gaps in maintaining consistent symptom control. The patients still frequently have times during the day when their symptoms return, whether predictably or unpredictably. Our headache colleagues treating episodic symptoms have this strategy well in mind. They have agents to prevent headaches, but also as needed on-demand treatments. In the Parkinson realm, we need to start thinking in a similar fashion for the therapeutics of our patients. Clinical studies and our own experience shows that patients will still have off periods despite continuously delivered medication regimens. When off periods are bothersome, we should think about therapies for our patients that can be used when they need them on demand at any time of day. This is a shift in the treatment paradigm, treatment for Parkinson's disease, that fortunately has become available in recent years. Please listen to this selected important safety information. Monitor patients with glaucoma for increased intraocular pressure. Abnormalities in laboratory tests may include elevations of liver function tests, for example, alkaline phosphatase, AST, ALT, lactic dehydrogenase, or bilirubin, as well as blood urea nitrogen, hemolytic anemia, and positive direct antibody test. Increased levels of catecholamines in their metabolites in plasma and urine may result in false positive results suggesting pheochromocytoma. The most common adverse reactions that occurred at an incidence of at least 5% and greater than placebo were cough, 15% versus 2%, upper respiratory tract infection, 6% versus 3%, nausea, 5% versus 3%, and sputum discolored, 5% versus 0%. Use of selective MAOB inhibitors with embresia may be associated with orthostatic hypotension. Monitor patients taking these drugs concurrently. Please stay tuned for additional important safety information later in the podcast. So Dr. LeWitt, you just described strategies for using as-needed or on-demand therapies. How frequently should one use these therapies? One may consider individual requirements for each patient and consider their opinion. Therapies used on-demand may be only infrequently needed or may be needed when a patient has an unpredictable return of symptoms daily. At one extreme, a patient may need a therapy very infrequently, perhaps even as little as once per month. At the other end of the spectrum are those patients who decide to use it daily. And in an experience, we can report the average use of Enbregia in the open-label clinical trial that investigated uh, the use of Enbregia. The use was approximately two doses per day for off time. Enbregia has taught me to think differently about my Parkinson's disease patients. Having a therapy that can be used on demand is like having a good insurance policy with you that you can use to regain control of symptoms when they return, whether in or outside of the house, at work, or pleasurable activities. I like your insurance policy metaphor. How then would you summarize when to take Embregia as needed for when symptoms return in Parkinson's? Well, my discussion with a patient indicates that each one may have unique circumstances in which they experience the return of symptoms. While the impact of embrija on non-motor 
symptoms of off has not been evaluated. Non-motor symptoms may be the clue to the need for re-emergence of motor symptoms, and it may precede the emergence of those symptoms. So it's important to ask patients about their signals. What tells them that the levodopa effect that they previously were experiencing is draining away from them? Healthcare professionals need to get a good idea of the telltale signs of motor fluctuations and the return of Parkinsonian features from talking about this with patients to help them understand when to use the drug at the first sign of their symptoms return. And here is the remaining important safety information. Isoniazid and dopamine D2 receptor antagonists, for example, phenothiazines, butyrophenones, risperidone, and metoclopramide may reduce levodopa efficacy, monitor for worsening symptoms. Iron salts or multivitamins with iron salts may reduce levodopa bioavailability. Imbresia should be used during pregnancy or nursing only if potential benefit justifies potential risk. There are no adequate data on imbresia in pregnant women or breastfed infants. Animal data shows carbidopa levodopa is developmentally toxic, including teratogenicity. Levodopa may affect milk production, interfering with lactation. Levodopa has been detected in human milk. Safety and effectiveness in pediatric patients have not been established. 56 geriatric patients experienced more of the following adverse reactions than 58 patients younger than 65. Cough, 25% versus 5%. Upper respiratory tract infection, 11% versus 2%. Nausea, 7% versus 3%. Vomiting, 4% versus 2%. Pain in extremities, 4% versus 0%. And discolored nasal discharge, 4% versus 0%. So in summary, Embregia is an available therapy used on demand for treatment of off periods or return of symptoms in patients already on a carbidopa levodopa regimen. We reviewed considerations for adjustment of baseline therapies and addition of an as-needed treatment like Embregia. We've reviewed when to utilize as-needed therapies. And finally, the important safety information for Embregia. Thank you, Dr. LeWitt, for your time today and for discussing your perspective on the rationale for use of Embregia. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. Please refer to the full prescribing information available at embregiafullpi.com. There are additional resources at embregia-hcp.com. Accorda Therapeutics, the stylized Accorda Therapeutics logo, and Embregia are all trademarks of Accorda Therapeutics Incorporated, copyright 2020, Accorda Therapeutics Incorporated, all rights reserved.